What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to the Power Company Podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. It is mid-September. Temps are getting better. It's damn near the season. But a word of caution. Don't get trapped by it being damn near the season. I see it happen every single year. Depending on where you are, damn near the season might still mean that it's a couple months away. Red River Gorge used to be good in the beginning of October. Now it's more like uh, end of November. So know your local area. I am going to be heading very soon to Joe's Valley for the Joe's Valley Bouldering Festival. I've never been. I've only been to Joe's one time for a very short trip while I was a little bit injured. I don't really know what the season is there, and frankly, I don't care. I'm going for the festival. I'm going to grab some sandstone, which I haven't done in far too long, and I'm going to be teaching a clinic, which I almost never do anymore at outdoor events, uh, better bouldering tactics. So if you're going to be at Joe's and you're interested in uh, coming along for a day, chatting tactics, um, getting some advice on your climbing and your approach, then please check it out. Sign up. You can get tickets at joesvalleyfest.com. You can also find it at the link in your show notes, in your pocket supercomputers. And that's going to be happening September 23rd to 26th. So soon. See you there. The conversation that I've got for you on the podcast today was a real treat for me. I got to sit down at my house in Lander, Wyoming with Kyle O'Meara. And one of my favorite things is to sit down with other coaches, with other teachers, and just hear their philosophies. I'm far less interested in what what periodization they think is best or what programming tools they're using now. I'm much more interested in the thought process behind how to convey the information that pushes us forward. Kyle is maybe best described as a a lifer, a learner, and a lover of beautiful lines. And If you look at his Instagram, that's very obvious that he's climbing the most beautiful rock climbs that there are. And he takes that joy and he pushes it forward to the people that he teaches. Uh, We sat down shortly after he had accepted a position as the head coach at the Climbing Academy. And I think this conversation will make it very clear why in an Instagram post announcing that he had accepted this position, Nathaniel Coleman wrote, greatest modern day philosopher alive. Let's get into it. What's going on in your head and your heart, you know, before you step on the wall? How about after you get off the wall? That part is, is really valuable and important. 
concept. I think about that a lot. I I wanted to just kind of start this thing out reading some of your words. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, great. And I'm curious <laughs> your your reaction. This is kind of where I want to start. I want to hear your reaction to your own words here. I love the way we each find our own path in this sport. Some of us crave higher performance and chase the next level forever. Others seek an adventure where discovery and creativity are the primary focus. Most fall somewhere in the middle. We can all go further and bigger, no matter what end goal inspires our personal pursuit. And if we're enjoying the process, appreciating the journey, and smiling lots along the way, then that probably counts as winning. Wow, well said. Well said. (laughs) (laughs) Very much so. Uh, Yeah. Do you think, do you, like, did you have that feeling the whole time you've been a climber? That this is a gift that we're all winning no matter where we are in the sport? Or did it evolve to this? A little bit of both. I think I, I feel really lucky to have found climbing and felt that way right off the bat that it was something that was pure joy for me and I didn't latch on to needing to be better early on as a climber. It kind of did feel just like a gift to be outside, to have this thing that felt so intriguing to me. Yeah. Um, and so I, I do think I've had that foundation since the beginning, um, but I've learned to understand it a lot better throughout my long time as a climber now, <laughs> if mm. that makes sense. Yeah, totally. You just celebrated yeah. 19 years, 19 is that right? 19 years, yeah. In, Next in year's June. the 20th. We're going to have to yeah. throw a party. <laughs> I know, something like that. <laughs> I didn't really think about it, and I, you know, I was kind of like, as the years pass, I'm like, oh man, I've been climbing for 18 years, oh wow. And yeah. then I was talking to my good friend, Ben Crawford, the other day. We were out climbing at Wolf Point, and I was like, oh, man, it's June. I think I started in a June, and I was, like, doing the math and thought, oh, I, I did just pass my 19-year yeah. climb-aversary, as they say. <laughs> That's funny. Somebody pointed that out to me recently as well, that I, I can't remember how the conversation started, but I know the date that I bought my first gym membership because oh, wow. I I just gotten out of jail okay. and was like I need a new life. Yeah. You know? So I went and bought this gym membership for a month um, at a climbing gym I'd been to once. Huh. Um, and it was April seventh, nineteen ninety five. Oh wow! And somebody was like, "Wow, you've been climbing more than twenty five years." <laughs> and I'm like, "Holy shit! You're right. <laughs> like, I just hit twenty six. That makes no sense." That's awesome. Wow. You started climbing the day before my birthday. Really? The day before my... That's the way I remember it is it's three days birthday. before my brother's birthday. Oh, nice. That's, that's the only way I remember it. So huh. I'll switch that to the day before Kyle's birthday. Yeah, now. there you go. Yeah. I don't know. Your brother's birthday <laughs> might have more significance. <laughs> Depends on how you look at it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> how I don't normally do like a, how did you get started climbing, you know, but I think that's really important to what I want to talk to you about today like sure. about this whole journey and imparting that journey to to young people yeah you know so give me just a quick synopsis of how you found climbing sure yeah or, I was, or how climbing found you yeah yeah that's an interesting concept um yeah i was always gifted i suppose the love for the outdoors my parents were really into just getting out hiking and I'm, first bikes. off i'm gonna use that as the soundbite i was always gifted 
<laughs> Am I though? I don't know if I qualify as having the genetic gift, as I call it. But we'll get yeah, to that. I'm, I'm going to cut yeah. off the context at the <laughs> yeah. end there. And just, just say I was always gifted. Have that. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I, I, my parents kind of showed me the way to the outdoors just by mm. taking us camping and taking us hiking and riding bikes. And as a little kid, we lived in this lot that was on the. I had really neat woods. I like that term, woods, mm, yeah. on both sides of my house. And so my sister and I were always building forts in the trees. Yeah, and, you know, same. God. Yeah, imagination was so mm. vast then. And we had these trees that looked like ships that we called pirate ships. And yeah. I, I was always climbing trees and just being active. I was really excited about frogs as a kid. And that frogs in particular. Frogs in particular became cool. sort of a hobby of mine. That I, I had a huge frog collection growing up. I think L crawdads were my fascination. <laughs> really? <laughs> nice. I spent so much time in creeks turning yeah. over rocks looking for little yeah, crawdads. I used to do that too, yeah, when we were out <laughs> camping with my family. So I think that that love for the outdoors uh, paved the way for me to when I did find climbing at age 19. A friend of mine took me out uh, to a, a place that was pretty close to our house. Um, he took me sport climbing, and uh, it was, I don't know, it was just love at first feel. I, I climbed a little bit that day. I mean, it was really hard for me. I wasn't genetically gifted. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't step onto the rock and think <clears throat> like, wow, I'm so good at this. Yeah. Um, and that... I just really connected with the whole being outside, being in this cool place. We went climbing at a place that had a really neat view, and uh, it, watching my friend Bryce climb around was just like, oh, that's so neat. Like, what a neat way to express yourself. And mm. uh, he looked so smooth and comfortable and confident on the rock, and I felt like completely out of my element. Yeah. Not scared per se, but not smooth. Not right. I didn't just feel clumsy. Yeah, yeah, I was like battling, mm -hmm. and I was athletic up until then. In high school, I played ball sports. <clears throat> I played football. I played rugby. I was I weighed like twenty more pounds yeah. as a eighteen year old than I do now. As you might need to to play yeah. rugby. Yeah, and so climbing <laughs> felt hard. I felt heavy i felt not strong i felt yeah. out of my element but different kind of strong different kind of strong yeah i could pick up some metal and set it back down but i couldn't pull myself up the wall right right <laughs> yeah are you still in touch with bryce i'm not anymore actually yeah it's sad I, that i think that's an interesting thing actually like these people come in and out of our lives as oftentimes as like vehicles to bring yeah. something to it you know yeah and I'm not a nostalgic person, really, and I'm trying, I'm actively trying to release the nostalgia I do have, mm -hmm. um, and I think about that, like, these people played a really important role in my life at this time, mm -hmm. and maybe that was just the point of it, and maybe it's okay that I've let them go, yeah, know, or they've let me go, or whatever. Yeah, it is, and I know that if I saw him again today, we would pick up where totally. we left off, and... I didn't spend an immense amount of time with him, but the time that we did spend together was very rooted in loving the outdoors yeah. and kind of being in touch with ourselves and nature, which that was what climbing really showed me right away that I was like, wow, this is a neat way to connect my my love for being physical, being active, being an athlete with 
something that I love was just being outside and playing outside and and being with good people. Um, where where was this? It was in North Bend, Washington. It was a, a place called Exit Thirty Eight. Kind of a vague term. But, okay, I think it's interesting to like your first climbing experience yeah. being outside. That's yeah. That's definitely not the norm yeah. nowadays. No, not the know? norm. But in two thousand and two, there wasn't as many climbing gyms. Right, and. Uh, that, yeah, I, I did actually really appreciate that my first experience climbing was outside, and I think I recognized that right away as well, that mm-hmm. all of my earliest climbing experiences were outdoors. Yeah, climbing for me didn't start that way. Like, it started yeah. started in a gym. Um, I was just lucky to have this gym open up huh. within walking distance down the railroad tracks from my little neighborhood. <laughs> that you is know? lucky. And... And it was just an athletic pursuit for mm-hmm. me. That's really all it was. The The gymnastics gym that I got started at when I was a kid was on those same railroad tracks. Mm. And wow. that's how I found it. I would walk down the railroad tracks and just sit in the lobby and watch. And then I'd mm. go steal mattresses from this mattress warehouse also on the railroad tracks. <laughs> and I would try the things I saw them doing in the gymnastics gym. Huh. And then... Years later, I walk a little further down the railroad tracks, and there's a climbing gym. Man, those you railroad know? tracks are I know. quite the metaphor. It led me in, all in sorts of life. places. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, so mine was purely athletic and in a gym. So, huh. I think it's interesting that you started outside and that it was a yeah. a natural, you know, part of the natural world for you. Part of the like, it was just a gym to me. Mm-hmm. But, but our paths have kind of converged yeah. down the line. Yeah, now we share a lot of the same values and values. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so that I don't know, that was it's kind of fitting for just my lifetime as a climber to, you know, very rooted in the outdoors. Mm-hmm. And even as I entered coaching climbing indoors, I at first I felt kind of out of place, honestly, cuz mm. Yes, I'd climbed in the gyms and I felt at home in a climbing gym because this is my my world, my people, right? my place. Uh, it wasn't a place I've really spent a ton of time. I, I, I wasn't a gym climber. Yeah. And I kind of maybe was prideful about that. And yep. I, I was like, I'm a rock climber. I, I climb outside. I train outside. And yeah. My I very are, quickly shifted to that yeah. in part of my climbing career. Like yeah. I stopped going to the gym sure. and just tried to train outside. Uh-huh. And, um, and I'm still not a good gym climber. Yeah. I'm a much better outdoor climber than I am a gym climber. Yeah, I could maybe say the same about myself. But I, I have, my perspectives on that have shifted a lot. Yeah. In recent years especially, so. Same. Yeah. You said early on that you didn't immediately kind of attach to the the getting better, the mm-hmm. training, the improving physically, and it was more just this natural thing. When did getting better at it come into play, come into focus? Um, so I started climbing in June, so it was summertime. I climbed outside as much as I could, uh, kind of continued climbing with some of my friends that I used to go to church with as, as a kid. That's where I met Bryce, actually. And... Uh, so I climbed outside at exit 38 and exit 32, a little sigh, uh, which later became a really big proving ground for me as, yeah. a, as a climber. Um, and I went to Leavenworth, <clears throat> I think, that summer for the first time. Or no, that's not true. That was the next summer. So once winter set in, I lived in Washington State. Mm. The winters are 
cold and mm-hmm. long and wet, very wet. That's, yeah. That's the big, big thing. Maybe not cold, but wet. Um, so that winter, it must have been October or November, since it's, that's when winter starts in Washington. Yeah. Uh, I started to not be able to go outside as much, and I went to the local, which was 45 minutes away from my house, mm. not a walk down the train tracks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Climbing gym called Vertical World in Redmond, Washington. Yeah. Um, yeah, consequently, that was, I think, the first indoor facility in the states at least a big commercial yeah if one. not the it yeah. was certainly one of yeah i think it was open in 1983 or four or something like that and which, still going and yeah it's still has, going it's evolved a lot famed alumni oh it does yeah, yeah. big time <laughs> yeah a couple notable characters that you mm-hmm. might have heard about last week or something like that <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's been fun to see sean and drew and you know and tyson's program yeah. there and it's been fun to see all that evolve yeah. over the years oh, from man. a distance. Yeah, fun for me too, just because that was a that was my roots for sure. So, yeah. so in that that winter, I entered Vertical World and I met Tyson. I met his early team kids. That was probably near the. He'd probably been coaching that team for two or three years at the time mm. when I met him. And uh, some of his original team kids were people that I climbed with a lot, including Drew Ruana, who was seven years old then. at the time and, yeah. climb, you know, stood about <clears throat> as high as my waist. And he and I would <laughs> climb on the same boulder problems, actually. And yeah, he would some he'd do them before me even. <laughs> so yep. uh, Not surprising. Yeah. And that was like years into that was like two years into my climbing. Not yeah. not when I entered the gym. Right. Um, and that was kind of prior to the like the little little kids who yeah were crushing everything yeah that yeah. was that was the early stages of that um and i had never seen a climbing gym before or anything like that so really when i entered the climbing gym that was when i was greeted with numbers and mm. it was so much more quantifiable and i saw these kids like brian hopkins and, and brian boyko and um Johnny Harkness and and uh, these kids that were on the team that were really good and I could see them climbing these numbers, right, not these rocks. Right. And that's when I think it started to resonate with me of like, oh, I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to climb a V6. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I also think on that note, in 2002, those V's were harder to earn, especially at Redmond Vertical World. <laughs> and I think Tyson was partially to blame for that. But yeah. back then, I think the route setters took pride in making people fall. And, sure. I, and I think that's changed a little bit in terms of, you know, success of climbing gyms. Yeah. It's, bigger bigger business to, yeah. to make people to have, feel like they did something yeah, big. People yeah. climb V's than like not have them climb V's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so I think the hardest problems in the gym then were like V9 or something. Like yep. you, you would never put a 10 on the tag. Right. Totally. And yeah. I, re- were, I remember those days yeah. quite clearly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if it was V9, it was kind of not doable and even the kids couldn't do it. Um, and in that time too, I met some of the guys that became really close friends of mine that really helped foster my love for climbing. Uh, yeah. One of the guys in particular his name's cole allen and if you're a washingtonite you know who cole allen mm. is and he at the time was like 
leagues above everyone. He was, you know, this young kid that was a good comp climber, and he was getting a little bit older at that point since he's, I think he's a year younger than me, but, you know, he was 18 then, and he had these huge hands and super thick fingers, and he Mm. could still grab all the smallest holds, and watching him climb, like, changed my perspective on what was possible. Um, Was Cole, like, a... Did he end up being a mentor figure to you or just someone who you he, looked at? And he did. And from? he ne- ended up becoming a really close friend of mine and someone that I climbed a lot with around the Washington areas. And he had developed a lot of the harder problems in Washington at the time. Him and another legendary character named Johnny Goikachia were, mm, they yeah. were really close friends. Definitely and they, seen that name a lot. Yeah. And th- those guys were definitely paving the way. So that was the early stages of development of bouldering, especially in Washington. And so they were putting up the V10s and 11s and stuff that, mm-hmm. you know, he'd show them to me. And I was like, well, that's impossible. And, <laughs> you know, I, I went on to climb like all of them, but. In those early days, I was like, wow, that's literally doesn't go. Yeah. Um, and so Cole, like, really actually showed me what it, you know, he, he furthered my relationship with the outdoors and that connection with ourselves and, and the nature that we get to experience. So mm. it, I felt really lucky to get to climb around Washington where, you know, I have deep roots there as a climber, as a person, and going home, quote unquote, always feels really, really special to me. And yeah. I'm going there soon, and he's one of the people I can't wait to reconnect with because awesome. he's, he's still out there finding new stuff and putting up new problems. And not a lot of the people from that generation are, are still doing that, I feel like. Yeah. So. yeah. It's, I think it's really valuable to have that mentor figure um and and in my opinion mentor can also be your like main climbing partner yeah you know you could be mentors for each other in a lot of ways sure Um, i don't see mentorship as this like clear hierarchy necessarily no yeah definitely not um but i think it's really valuable to have that person who's like loves the outdoors, loves the experience, loves the, the like pursuit of personal growth. Yeah. But then also is interested in, I want to climb a harder number yeah. and understands the numbers, Sure, you know, as much as any of us can understand the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, was there ever a time when you had, or feel like you had an unhealthy relationship with the numbers? I don't think so, actually. And maybe I'm lucky in that realm. I mean, I definitely entered the gym. I saw that I wanted to progress. Um, Tyson Shaney was another huge influential character and mentor to me um, in those early days. And so spending time in the gym, he was always there. He was the head route setter. He was the coach of the climbing team. So any time of the day I entered the gym, he was there doing something. Yeah, And he... You know, he he recognized that I was excited about this sport and, you know, he he didn't, you know, fully take me under his wing or anything, but he showed an interest in me as a person, as a climber. Mm-hmm. He shared his knowledge and perspective. And <clears throat> I think that he probably helped influence my desire to want to be better, to climb harder, because for him, that was something that was, you know, he's training these athletes that the goal is to be right. better, right. to perform better. And 
I don't know, maybe he recognized that guy's super stoked. He has some potential. And maybe neither one of us knew it at the time, but he was fostering this uh, this thing inside of me that later became my, I really wanted to be a mentor as well to climbers. Yeah. And Tyson maybe, oozes that he does. in my experience. Yeah. Like we haven't had a chance to sit down and record. We've tried several times, but uh-huh. it's always around big events where we're both For busy, sure. you know? So I'm just going to have to go to Washington yeah. to get it yeah, done. Yeah, you do, man. Um, There's neat boulders there too. Just saying. Yeah, I definitely want to. <laughs> um, but he he strikes me as this character who is can be very focused on improvement, but also has a much more round view. Mm-hmm. And and I assume, and you know that that can go wrong. But but I assume it's been that way for a long time because yeah. it seems like an experienced, more well rounded view. Yeah, yeah, definitely his. <clears throat> His perspective has shifted a little bit, it seems, and his um, his presence has softened over the years. He definitely mm-hmm. used to be a little bit more direct. I could see that. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I I relate to that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know? yeah. It was nice to have someone be like, "This is how it is," mm-hmm. rather than I'm definitely I have a softer approach than Tyson for sure. I always have. But he's getting closer to me, maybe in that realm. <laughs> he's getting old, <laughs> and, and I've heard that from up. some of his yeah. athletes and fellow coaches too. That they're like, he's definitely softened up. Yeah, uh, I, but, I've been meaning actually to send Tyson a message because I was climbing at City of Rocks on Demon Days, mm-hmm. and a uh, young kid with his parents came over, and you know they they had been out climbing as a family, uh-huh. and he was like, we invited him to join. He was like, oh, this looks so cool. You know, we were like, oh, you know, join us. And turns out the kid's a crusher, you Mm -hmm. know. He's like, I've never even tried a V10, you know. (laughs) But then he just crushes the crux in 10 (laughs) minutes, you know. And I'm like, okay, you know, where are you from? Are you a team kid, comp kid? And he's like, oh, yeah, vertical world. And I'm like, okay. That, that makes that sense. explains a lot to me. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, he's he's a master <laughs> coach and and mentor. So yeah, again, I feel so lucky to have like had these guys come into my life early on in my climbing career. And yeah, it's neat to kind of circle back <clears throat> around and recognize that I'm a product of that and that I've learned and grown from that. And and now here I am, and I have my own place in this climbing community and stuff like that. So yeah, it is an honor. <laughs> I'm curious how. Like because you were more focused on the outdoors, mm-hmm. you know, I assume you never were like super into the comp world. Is that correct? Yeah, no, I never was. I mean, I I loved climbing with the team kids at yeah. Vertical World, um, but it was so fun and lighthearted. And you know, they would we would session, and then they'd go do their training, and I would just keep sessioning. <laughs> yeah, and uh, how does that then affect? the relationship you end up having with like Drew and Sean um, or or the comp kids in general that you knew as young kids? Um, and I ask this because I saw on your post about your anniversary, you know, you just hit 19 years and moving on to this new phase of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw Nathaniel Coleman comment 
that you're the greatest modern day philosopher. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that was beautiful. And I'm curious how that sort of relationship happens with these comp kids. And if you have something like that with Drew or Sean or, you know, how that has evolved from yeah. being just, oh, I'm watching these strong kids climb in the gym to an adult relationship. I think that even as young kids, and they were obviously way better than me at climbing, but they all saw how much I loved the sport, even mm-hmm. early on as a climber. And, you know, I, I had this reputation of like, Kylo is just so psyched. He's the most psyched. And I was, as I, you know, I, I feel like I was just having a great time with climbing all the time. And yeah, I was trying to get better, but it was always just fun and, and pure and I couldn't not go climbing. And so yeah. while they were training in the gym and all the time and doing these comps, I was out in Leavenworth, like trying to find new boulders and try to put up the boulders that Cole and Johnny put up. And and I would come back to the gym and share that with them. And mm-hmm. so we were connected through rock climbing outside, even though their focus and their energy and their time was mostly put into the gym. And I recognized the competitions and I would talk to them about it and it was cool to me, but I didn't really latch on to that world in a way that I wasn't going to watch them compete, I, you know, at the local comps like the at Stone Gardens and at Vertical World, I would sometimes be there to watch as a social event and, right. but that, it, you know, the comp world was way different then than it is now. Mm-hmm. and. It was still centered around good, clean fun. So I, we had some overlap, I think, between the comp world, but mostly we shared the, you know, they were excited to hear about the outdoor adventures that I was on. And even though they didn't do it then as kids, they then came later on as older teenagers. And right. and uh, it was neat to, that was when I started to notice the, the gap between, man, I spent 10 days on that thing. <laughs> did the thing and and they'd go out for the weekend and climb like my whole life tick list that weekend right right. and i was like well training definitely works whatever those guys are doing at at the gym and when they go to do their training time like that works yeah um and again maybe i didn't recognize it at the time but i was learning some about coaching about performance about how you do train for this sport and I, I maybe didn't even fully think about that until I started to be a youth climbing coach also. Mm-hmm. And then it was neat to connect all those dots when I did and feel out, out of my element and feel intimidated by being in this sport that I didn't, I, I feel like I knew a different side of it, but I didn't know that side of it. So when I walked into Momentum and was like, these kids are next level good, what am I going to share with them? Was Momentum the first place you coached? I coached at a little gym in Lake Tahoe called High Altitude Fitness. I okay. I started a team from scratch. There there wasn't a youth team. What there made were... you decide to start a youth team? Being being someone who came into it for the adventure, the outdoor. Um, what made you decide to do that? I. That's a good question. I I sort of. Wasn't I was a little bit lost in my direction in life professionally. I had worked some pretty neat jobs that made me lots of money and whatever. They were they were fun and exciting and good for my resume. But 
weren't entirely fulfilling for me. And I was at this crossroads turning point, if you will, where I had quit my sales rep job. I didn't really know what to do. I knew I wanted to climb a lot. And I was in Lake Tahoe, loved being there, loved the climbing, loved the adventure. And I did, I did know that I liked working with kids in mm. some level. Uh, when I was a teenager, I was super privileged, had all this good stuff going for me, but I kind of messed around. I kind of didn't take life or school super seriously. And I had a couple teachers pull me aside the, and and just have a heart to heart conversation with me of hey man you're you're a talented kid like don't mess this up for yourself hmm. uh, you can be better damn and it's good to have those people it really is yeah and it, even some a couple of the teachers that did that I wasn't even really close with I didn't even love their class per se mm-hmm. and they it really stood out to me as kind of just made me pause take a step back think about what they said and really appreciated the fact that they would take the time to do that. And I think those couple of instances really resonated with me deeply enough that I was like, what if I could change somebody's life? Hmm. Um, Because in a way, maybe those teachers changed my life, made me think like, maybe I should take this more seriously. Maybe I am more talented. If that person can believe in me when I'm just kind of screwing around in their class, like, maybe I have more to offer. So I think that idea, that concept of changing someone's life seemed like it could mean a lot more to me than making a whole bunch of money or working at this job that wasn't entirely fulfilling. And so working at this gym in Lake Tahoe and, and the owner of the gym actually was like, there's this girl that is really good at climbing. Like, I think she could win nationals, blah, blah, blah. And he was behind starting the youth team. And I was kind of like, yeah, that'd be cool. Sure. Like I met the girl and was like, yeah, that'd be cool to coach her. And, you know, I thought back to hanging out in the gym and watching Tyson coach the team. And, right. and it seemed like a cool idea. So I, I did the, team thing and right away i i was like this is it this is the coolest thing i've ever done hmm. i i really love it and most of the kids were pretty new to climbing um some of them i could tell right away that they were really talented even though i'd never coached climbing officially i had been around it enough and it meant enough to me that i i could recognize like that kids definitely got it and there were two kids in particular on my team that were like really good. That right away I was like, if they want to do this, they will be good. Um, one of them, his name's Stefan Fellner, actually. He just did that Zeph Boulder last week. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So he's a kid that was Crusher my, kid. Yeah. One of my OG nice. kids that I got to coach. And again, like so cool to see that I recognized that he had what it takes and to now see him as a, a grown up. Yeah. Uh, You just framed that in a really interesting way that I really love. You said, if they want to do this, they'll go somewhere, you know? Yeah, that's a big part of my coaching philosophy. Rather than (laughs) just, I don't want them to waste this talent. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like looking at it that way. And I think some kids that I have, have been able to work with over the years 
other people look at them and maybe are bold enough to say they're wasting their talent. I can't believe they're not doing this or that. They right. could do anything. And <clears throat> I really just don't think that's the way it is. I, I think that we do have our own path, right? And like yep. I said in that that silly post that like, it's really neat that we can all choose the way that we allocate our our interest in this sport and the way that we utilize our talents and we spend our time prepping for it and doing it because right. it's there's not a right way there's not like if you're this good you should climb this it's like follow this that motivation that yeah that intrinsic motivation <clears throat> is the biggest part so yeah and who knows what you know talents we might be air quote wasting <laughs> air quotes anytime we we focus on something else yeah you know Nathaniel Coleman might be the world's greatest chess player. We have no idea. <laughs> He's really good at yeah. chess. Like happens to be. I can I can <laughs> guess that, yeah. Um so yeah, I think you're right. I think it's if you want to do this, you could be really good at it. Yeah. Yeah. I think most people could fall into that category. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really cool. For some people it comes easier, perhaps. <clears throat> yeah. But you got to want to do it. And that's the part I can't force. I can't teach you how to want to do this. Totally. I I recently just put this chart up on my Instagram of, of climbing progression and how it looks like in micro versus macro. Mm-hmm. And, and I got some pushback from a few people saying, oh, it needs to, that chart needs to start dropping. It can't, can't go upward forever uh-huh. and i'm like i didn't mention grades or performance or yeah. anything you know maybe the goalposts change maybe it becomes i want to get better at moving dynamically and then it becomes i want to get better at full crimping and then it becomes i want to just seek out new lines and mm-hmm. imagine new things and then it becomes i just want to go have fun and yeah. can i keep getting better at that you know the the idea of progression can change over time. Yeah, I love that idea, that concept. And and it sounds like that's happened for you. Yeah, yeah, it has. And my perspective on climbing has certainly evolved into, I was always really excited about climbing, really excited about doing it. I could not not go. Yeah. Um, my intrinsic motivation was always there. It's it's never really faded. Uh, and you're still that psyched. I'm still that psyched, yeah. yeah. It's, obviously, we have our ebbs and our flows, and totally. our motivation does change, and there can be weeks or months that it doesn't feel like I'm peaking, whether yeah. that's performance-wise or motivation, whatever. But at some point, when I started to coach climbing, that became maybe a bigger part of my focus and motivation as a climber that really influenced the way the presence that I bring to my climbing time. So it's a whatever, maybe sort of an out there hippie concept, but like if I can be a, a good force or a, a good example when the way that I utilize my climbing time and knowing that uh, it goes beyond my day out at the crag, but mm-hmm. it goes to like, how does this influence the people that I get to work with? 
or the kids that I have coached that might look up to me. Absolutely. That part is more important <clears throat> to me now than like sending the cool, the cool project or like being able to climb better or something like that. So for me, my, my presence as a climber is, is shifted a little bit into, mm. I, I don't know. It's just something I, I do love and I want to love it. And I want that love for it to be seen and be felt by yeah. the people that are at the crag that day, the kids that I get to work with, the kids that I will get to teach this next year. And if they can learn anything from me, it, it hopefully will be that like, this doesn't have to be this thing you beat your head against and that you need to be better at, but right. something that we can love and enjoy and make a lifestyle out of and share with people that we're close to. It, that's awesome. That's like, that's the gift, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. Your, that recent post that we've talked about a little bit and, and I want to eventually get to the climbing Academy and that next step that you're yeah. taking, but I'm so interested in, the responses your post got and then your responses to those people. Um, you know, when Nathaniel said, you know, greatest modern day philosopher, <laughs> your response to him was something along the lines of you've taught me so much, Yeah, you know, and as a, as a coach, who I assume from that interaction has worked with Nathaniel in that capacity. Mm -hmm. um, what is it you're, you're learning from these athletes? What are you taking away from them? Oh man, so much, like everything really, just the way that they approach it, the way that they work through the, the challenges that they encounter as athletes, uh, <clears throat> how they deal with success, how they deal with failure, how they utilize their time spent in, in or out of the gym. Man, everything. Like I, I really like to pay attention to people, to things, mm -hmm. to that's the cool part about this sport, I think, is that it is hugely variable and vast and there's yeah. there's an endless amount of, of uh, I don't know, activities that we can invest our energy into yeah. so many paths to yeah getting better whatever that means to you yeah sure yeah and so i, I don't know like from nathaniel in, in particular i've learned that maybe we don't have to be quite as angsty about wanting to perform better mm. and you know we don't have maybe rest days are more important than we think they are Hmm. Um, I think climbers get so caught up and, you know, you, you I rested three days this week. I'm probably getting less strong and that, that's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. strong. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, he's, he really taught me that a lot about if you're not feeling it that day, then don't force it. And obviously sometimes you need to, yeah. um, but I think that he's able to flip the switch into the go mode better than anyone else I've ever seen because maybe he stores it up. Hmm. When, and and maybe he does it unintentionally or like unconsciously, but he is better than anyone I've ever seen at like flipping the switch into like now's the time. And whether that's outside at the rocks or at the competition, yeah, he can kind of cruise in neutral, and he's still like really good in neutral. And we've seen him do that. Like we can watch yeah. comps, big comps, where we've seen him 
squeak in. Yeah. And then in finals, flash everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah, the way that his level of confidence and calm add up to him performing at his best is it's awesome to witness to see and to pay attention to that for years and years i I think when i started coaching nathaniel he was 15 about to turn 16 and so i got to coach him for several years of his youth pursuit and then kind of continued coaching him a little bit into his transition into the adult realm i remember i chaperoned a trip to adult nationals with him and dalton Mm. when they were 17 or 18 or something it was there early on in that that entering the adult arena so we went to madison wisconsin and it was like me and those two guys and we stayed in a hotel room and like you know whatever i laughably was the chaperone i like helped get him to the comp and whatever like yeah but you know i was there as the friend and support and quote unquote air quotes coach um you know that it i think it meant something to them that i was there supporting them and meant a lot to me to just be able to be alongside them and watch them entering that arena and and do so well you know i think that that comp was dalton's first open nationals and he qualified in first place (laughs) so he (laughs) was like kind of shocked and just you know entered semifinals in first and yeah i think everyone that comp was like who is that guy right even the announcers were like Dalton Bunker. Hmm. All right, on. <laughs> you you just said something that I pay really close attention, or I try to, to coaches across a bunch of different sports and mm-hmm. their philosophies and the way they handle themselves and the way they interact with their athletes and mm-hmm. um and I've heard a lot of coaches say, "Don't be friends with your athletes," mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily believe that. Yeah. In fact, I I push back against that. Yeah. Um, and you just said I was there as friend. Um, how do you feel about that idea of not being friends with your athletes? And I know this is a little different when it comes to youth climbing. Sure. Um, but I think there is a level of friendship there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a. I totally think that it's a. You know, friend friend-based relationship or should be and maybe yeah there is some level of needing to be careful in that arena with the youth sure youth scene um but at some point at least i do think the relationship becomes friendly and you know you as if you want to be an effective coach you have to earn their trust Mm -hmm. i think and then you just really have to share life with them alongside their pursuit in the sport and i think that that goes a long way that might be why i'm an effective coach because i do show i care a lot about their lives and their being as people and maybe more about that than i care about how well they do in the sport and you know my, my coach really has taught me that that is a big important part that you know the life part and the the uh, what's going on in your head and your heart, you know, before you step on the wall. How about after you get off the wall? Yeah, that part is is really valuable and important. So important. Yeah, and so recognizing that, how do you address that without being their friend and and get an honest right. 
response. Yeah, and I think that's such a big part of, even if performance is your main focus, mm-hmm. that stuff is such a big part of how we perform. Yeah, you, you can't delete that from the equation. Yeah, you know, no. you just you, can't do it. No matter how good that athlete is at partitioning those things mm-hmm. off. In the grand scheme of things, it can't yeah. be taken out of the equation. And you cannot address it. And I do think that happens a lot. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. like to address it. Mm-hmm. And again, my coach has, has taught me that like, hey, it's important to address that. Yeah, you know? I agree. It's maybe the first question you should ask. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, another comment in that post Everybody's going to be on your Instagram here pretty soon looking at this post. Um, But another comment was from Palmer Larson. Yeah. And your response to him, I I love seeing male-to-male love, you know, publicly. Yeah. Because it's something that we haven't spent enough time celebrating, I think. I agree. And your your response to Palmer was definitely like gushing. And tell me a little bit about what what his influence on your coaching was and yeah. is. Um, Palmer was on the momentum team as a as a his final year as a youth competitor when I started coaching as well. Um, and he was about to go on a trip to France, so he was a little bit not focused on the comp thing when I joined. So I kind of got to know him at a distance that year. Um, he would show up to practice and hang with those other boys, and he was doing his thing and training for his his trip to Seuss. Um But then in the following year, he <clears throat> aged out, and he started to coach the team with me. Mm. And so that's when we got a lot closer and... You know, I, I wasn't directly his coach as when he was an athlete, but I definitely became a, a mentor and friend to him. Uh, and, you know, we coached <clears throat> alongside each other for seven years. And ultimately, when I decided that I was going to step down from the head coach at Momentum and I was, you know, thinking about moving on, I passed the baton to him as the head coach. And he has a very different uh, presence than I do and a very different coaching style than I do. He's a lot more performance-based and he's mm-hmm. a lot less soft-hearted than I am. <laughs> and so as a result, we were an amazing team together. Yeah. Like the force that we created as a, as a unit was like so good and so powerful. And I think that's part of why the Momentum team continued to like gain momentum. Mm. if you will. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll put a laugh track behind yeah. that. <laughs> Air quotes. <laughs> yeah, he, he's awesome, man. I, I, he's just got a really good positive presence and attitude, and he can be hard on himself also, mm. and maybe I helped As him. As we all can. Yeah, yeah. sure. I, I think I helped him see the, the beauty and maybe we shouldn't take this so seriously. Hey, there is still good no matter what. Uh, that mentality that I like, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit out there and a little bit hippie in my like, oh, but it's all going to be okay sort of thing. And sometimes mm-hmm. you don't need that, but sometimes you do. Yeah. Sometimes you need that reminder. Um, 
but we him and i just you know i i did feel like i was kind of showing him the way of my world of you know he grew up in the gym he grew up barely climbing outside here and there and i was the opposite and so he was excited about and always willing to go on these adventures with me partially because he was probably like this is awesome this is like something i've never done and like i get to go with this guy who's like kind of out there and just having a great time (laughs) and like and we united under this we really care about the team this is really important to us the kids that we get to share this sport with is that's our focus and in addition to that we're going outside to climb and and put our time and energy into that and he he really helped me as a as a partner to get through a climbing partner to get through some of my like big projects that meant a lot to me and you know along the way he got to do them also a lot of the time right uh but we just really resonated with kind of having very different perspectives but meeting a in the middle with our team so having that as our focus point and like we had meetings every week about how do we do the team better what should we do for practice this is our training plans and uh, just in doing that we really got to share a lot of life together and a lot of perspective stuff and i would maybe showed him some some ways with just my life experience that he really latched onto and I think that that friendship relationship just felt really meaningful for both of us because I felt like yeah. oh, I'm sure I'm, I get to share my silly perspective with him. He likes it. He he's latching on, and I learned a lot from him too about maybe maybe not taking things so personally sometimes. And Palmer has an amazing way of shrugging things off that mm-hmm. I tend to maybe get bogged down by and he can just i'd always admire that he'd be like yeah but whatever move on <laughs> yeah yeah it's interesting there's a time to like be really in your feelings about something and uh-huh. then there's a, a time when you should release that yeah it's great to have both perspectives available yeah i maybe think too much and get too emotional if that's a thing yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just... i mean I, I think it can be <laughs> yeah. um well, great. I, I've i read through that post multiple times, um, the post and all the comments, just because I love seeing that, like that interaction of coach to athlete, you know, mentor, mentee, friends, whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, especially when it's men giving each other their flowers you know i it's so important and it's something i've been exploring because i didn't put enough emphasis on that for a long time sure so i loved seeing that there yeah it's too bad we've been conditioned to think don't do that and yeah i want to break that that tradition if you will yeah i i appreciated that a lot in that post thanks talk to me about what's next for you you've You've taken this job with the Climbing Academy. Tell me about that. Yeah, I've always wanted to be a teacher. I've thought about getting my teaching certificate many times over again. And originally when I was in college, mm. I was actually a PE major. So I was going to be a PE teacher. Mm. I was going to be an art teacher. Nice. Yeah, yeah look at where it's taken us. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of got scared partially through school and thought, what if I don't want to be a teacher? Mm. Then what? If I have a physical education major? 
So I switched my major to exercise science because that was a class that I enjoyed. Um, and then I didn't use it for many years, but then coming back to coaching, I was like, that's kind of neat that I'm sort of using my, my major now. Yeah. At least I understand the science behind training, even mm-hmm. though I, I gravitate a little bit more towards what's going on in your head and your heart. Yeah. And I think that's important, right? Yeah. Like let's, let's at least understand the science. It doesn't sure. have to be the main focus of it all because yeah. it takes, it takes you know, all directions, all aspects it to really understand performance. So. It really does. And it's an, a critical part of it for yeah. sure. So being able to understand it and having a background in that has certainly been helpful. Um, but yeah, the Climbing Academy is something I've wanted to do for several years. It just sounds like the coolest thing. So it, what it is is a private high school that usually travels internationally for part of the year, maybe stateside for part of the year. And is there an actual like brick and mortar building associated with it or is it always on the road? <laughs> I actually don't know if there's a, people keep asking me, where's the based? And I'm like, I I actually don't know. It's either it's somewhere in Oregon or Washington yeah, or I I love that. I think that's that's yeah, very cool. Maybe originated in Bozeman, Montana. Um yeah. at least the founders kind of came school. out of Touch the Sky, is that right? I think so, yeah. yeah. And so yeah, I'd love to learn more about the history and I haven't. It's funny. I signed my contract a month ago or something, but I don't know a lot of the the inner working details sure. yet. Sure. I will. I will. Yeah. yeah Next yeah. year I'll be a master. But uh it's a it's a big commitment. So you're gone a lot. So if you have a, a husband or wife, it's hard to be a teacher at the Climbing mm-hmm. Academy, I think, because you're gone from your partner for a big part of the year. Sure. Um, I've I've wanted to do it, but never been able to because of other life circumstances, because of mm-hmm. of relationships or jobs that I wasn't ready to leave at the time. Um, so this is the first time in my life I've had the chance of of having everything line up that I could do it. And in some ways I feel like I've been training for this job my whole life. You know, I've been right. a climbing coach now for years, wanted to be a teacher for years. This is a, a neat chance for me to teach academic courses for the first time that ever, and to be the head coach of the program. So I'll, I'll really help manage their, the students pursuit of climbing and how they manage their air quotes, training time, Right off the rocks, and we teach classes every other day, and then we climb every other day at said destination. So next year we're slated to be in Spain for a couple quarters, and then Thailand, and then Greece. That's our our proposed schedule, providing that all travel things work out. Is there an age limit? Can I just join? Yeah, you can. Can, be I, a teacher. can I be a student? <laughs> a student is grades nine through twelve. So. <laughs> Seeing as you've climbed for 26 years, I, I'm not sure <laughs> if you make the cut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty excited about it, man. It'll be a neat opportunity for me to learn and grow a lot as a, a person and a coach and a teacher and a mentor. Um, and just, you know, it's, a, and it's an extension of what I already love to do. And I know that I love to teach and and just be involved in people's lives and maybe have the chance to like influence someone's life in a positive way that to me is like the dream job yeah Um, it sounds perfect for you i mean at at risk of using a a word that's used way too often that's what it sounds like it sounds perfect you've 
even in the like climbing gym atmosphere and you know taking your your mentorship your coaching into a team mm -hmm. you were still the the guy who was climbing outside yeah and cared maybe not cared more that maybe that's not the right word but for you personally you cared more about climbing outside yeah um and no, this is combining all those worlds it really is yeah and i felt kind of guilty all those years that i coached a competitive climbing team because i was like i don't even climb in the gym right uh and uh, honestly that was one of the things that led to me f feeling like i needed to step down from the head coach position at momentum as i was mm. i really have a huge appreciation for competition climbing um and what these kids put into it and how it's such a difficult sport it's yeah. like so intense um and, and becoming I, more and more specialized yeah it really is yeah and, and i mean i admire it hugely so Same. but i don't I wasn't quite all in, like that's not where my focus was for myself and I really still wanted to climb outside a lot and I wanted to share that with the kids that I coached almost more than I cared about how they did at the comp and I felt like that was maybe a disservice mm. to the, the program and to the kids that really wanted to compete at a high level. I think I was still good at helping them achieve those goals. I, I don't totally discredit myself, but I had a little bit of reservation about like, oh, am I like being a disservice? And I had a lot of funny headspace issues happening with me. I was, I was feeling really depressed and I was not depressed. Or I was not a uh, believing in myself as a good force and as a good coach. Mm. And I thought that was important to have where like Palmer as one of my closest friends like really had that fire for competition climbing. And is and still doing he, it. He's still the head you coach know, still, there, yeah. Well, and he's still chasing competition himself. Yeah, yeah you know, he is. Which I think is amazing. Yeah, it cracked me up the, a few weeks ago at the Nationals and they're like, Palmer's, Megan actually was like, Palmer Larson, he's our oldest male competitor today. And I, <laughs> I just cracked up, I was like, he's 25, that's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because he's, you know, he was a kid for so long that now he, now he's a man. He's yeah, growing up, they all are. Yeah, and I what, stay the same. What do you anticipate is going to be different about coaching and teaching these kids at the climbing academy versus the kids on a youth team? Um, I think your focus with performing outdoors is a lot different than mm -hmm. training for a specific event or a specific series of events, if you will. Um, with the competition season, you you have this end date, this test date, if you will. Right. And so you're studying for the whole year for this test, and the route setters are trying to test you on who has the strongest fingers, the best ability to read a boulder problem, the best ability to process failure and not let it get to your head and mm -hmm. um, all these things like movement slab footwork everything yeah. in a very compressed little time yeah you have four yeah. boulder problems five boulder problems whatever the format <laughs> is to test every skill that you may have that you might need to know <laughs> yeah so it's like one heck of a test to study for i sure 
I can't imagine studying for a test where you don't know what the material is going to be. And not only that, but then taking that test on display in front of right. unlimited amount of people. Right. That's nerve wracking. That's to me, that's so much different than climbing and trying to, even if you're like, my goal is to climb this hardest thing I've ever climbed outside. So many other factors are, are involved with that, with like, well, that game you get to try more than once. Imagine that. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so it'll be really neat to, to try to coach kids into whatever their personal goal is with climbing and to have it be outside and to have it be weeks long instead of one day mm-hmm. and to have it be a lot more of a long-term, lifelong test, if you will, than this one event. Yeah, and you know, there's also... <clears throat> There's also similar pressures in outdoor climbing sure. that occur to me because you're you're going to be in different locations, you know? Mm-hmm. Like there's there's inevitably going to be somebody almost sending a project yeah. and you're on your last day in Greece. Yeah. You know? Sure. <laughs> That's inevitably going to happen. So those pressures are going to exist and maybe in a a more emotional, scarier way because it's built up over this long period. Yeah. And then it's like final day. Yeah. You know, do it now or That's true. Or it's a lot of money and a major <laughs> you know, commitment to get back here yeah. and try this thing again. Yeah, that's that's a neat way to think about it. I guess with the competition you train for this thing and you do the thing and you either pass or fail, whatever that means to you. Yeah. And then it's over and you can choose to dwell on that and what happened or you can be a great comp climber and just let that go and look at it as an experience point and right. that I'm going to learn from that and okay, what's next? Like that's gone, that belongs to the past yeah. versus a rock climbing project. If you don't do it, that still stays there and you yeah. still have the chance to try it again, yeah. Are you going to awesome. fly back overseas to yeah. try this thing again? Yeah, probably, know. right? Yeah, it probably. Depends. <laughs> it depends. Some people don't have that, mm. that whatever motivation to finish something yeah. and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I don't have that ability. Usually if I try something and I like it, I, I will do it. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will spend the money. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating talking to you again in a couple of years after you've done this. Yeah. Hearing how you're dealing with the people who are dealing with those challenges. Sure. You know, and helping them either say... I, I can let that go. I learned from it. I can let it go. Or I learned from it, but I have to go back sometime. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, there's the special kind where you have to go back. Yeah. Oh, sometimes over and over and over. Yep. Sometimes years over and over. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm going to ask you maybe an impossible to answer prior to teaching these kids for years question. Um, But I want to know what are the biggest lessons you hope to impart to these kids you're going to be teaching? They're at a, they're obviously going to be at an impressionable Mm -hmm. age. 
um, struggling with uh, all the things that, mm -hmm. you know, we all struggle with as high school students, yeah, teenagers, sure. um, and doing it in a very privileged place. Yeah. Honestly, Definitely. you know? Yeah. So what are the lessons you, you think you can bring to these kids? Yeah, it's not impossible to answer. <laughs> I at least have some thoughts in that. And uh, good. Let's see here where to start. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, I think a big thing I hope to impress on some of these kids is that it is okay to struggle. It is okay to whatever that means. If it is on your climbing project, if it's through school. If it's through life, uh, life is hard. Mm -hmm. Like being a teenager is hard. It was hard for me. Um, and if I can, in any way, just show them that, like, hey, that's okay, and like, it's gonna be hard to deal with it. It's it's scary to deal with it. It's scary to let someone else deal with it alongside you or with you, but. I'm here to help in that realm if I can, if you, if you want that, if, uh, again, just, you know, it's, it's okay to feel stuff. It's okay to whatever that is like the good, the bad, the, the challenging, like that part is, it's cool to be emotional, to feel, to like be vulnerable. Like that's something that we we're taught maybe to not do. And, and again, it's similar to the, like, Hey man, I love my my friend who's a guy. Yeah, that doesn't mean that we're romantically involved, but like, I love all the people that I've worked with. Like, that's why I'm a a good force. That's why I'm a good coach. Because I that's why I'm a good climber. Mm. Even though I don't perform well comparatively, I love everything about it. I love those moments with your climbing partner for the day. Those conversations on the way to the crag the hard conversations, the hard feelings, the yeah. days that don't yeah. feel awesome. Those are the, those are the days that are a gift, right? So if I can teach kids that, that that's awesome. I, I feel like then we're winning, right? Yeah. Um, another thing, I guess I, I would hope to impart or to, to plant a seed for them is that this is like a lifelong pursuit that, it is a gift to climb. If I can mm -hmm. teach them that, that's, you know, we are privileged to get to go climbing, to get to travel. Like, are you kidding me? This is, this is absurd that we get to do this. Yeah. Um, and so I know high school kids will be thinking about other stuff and sure. concerned with this or that and bothered by not getting their text message or mm -hmm. their phone break, whatever. We all have these problems and cruxes in life, but big picture can I help them see a big picture? What's that going to look like? That's that's a big goal of mine. Um, and I think it, it's important for me for to to show people that like, hey, we don't have. There's not a right way to do anything. Mm. There's not an answer. Like I don't have the answer. I I don't know how to be the best climber. I don't know how to tell you how to be. And that's like a, a journey that we all get to just experiment with and learn from. And, and the, you know, if you have friends or coaches or mentors that can support you along that path, then, then awesome. That will help. So 
So yeah. I, I hope to be that force for some of these kids as well. Man, this has been fantastic. I I do hope we do this again in a couple of years after you've been working with these kids. I'd love I'd love to do an update. Yeah, me too. Um, see how it's going. See what you've learned. You know, um, I'm so happy that number one you've had the mentors you've had who've helped you grow into this good force in the climbing community that you are um and i'm i'm excited to hear with this next stage of your your life and climbing and and coaching and teaching you know what they what they bring and then in turn what you bring to the climbing community as a result so Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Appreciate you having me out here to chat about all this fun stuff. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks so much for doing it. Yeah, of course. Entirely based on the last few minutes of that conversation, I debated calling this episode uh, Intentional Mentorship, which is what it became, or uh, Seeing the Big Picture, because I think it's so important to help uh, the people you're mentoring find that bigger picture whatever it means to you and climbing is an individual thing what drives me may not be the same thing that drives you and that's 100% okay and while mentorship is on its surface this you know sort of noble pursuit it can often go wrong mentors are human and are just as prone as the rest of us to overvalue their own selfish ideas and then inadvertently pass those on to the next generation without much thought toward the necessary change or evolution of those ideas. Personally, I admire most the the mentors and thinkers and teachers who work hard to directly engage with this, this unavoidable evolution. The ones who simultaneously continue their own growth. It's that interaction, even more than advancing the grades that we climb, that allows progress to happen and continue. Mentorship isn't dead. We just need more mentors like Kyle. So Kyle, let's do it again and thank you those kids out there are lucky to have you all right remember if you happen to be coming to joe's valley for the fest look us up lana and i will be at the trade fair on saturday so come and see us we're gonna be having a big sale on a lot of our products our crag kits our bouldering bags the finger files some apparel books I'll be there signing books if you're around to pick one up. So please come see us, come and chat. Looking forward to seeing people again. For those of you not coming to the Joe's Valley Fest, sorry about your luck. There's always next year. In the meantime, you can find us at powercompanyclimbing.com. You can find us on the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Pinterest, the YouTubes, all those places at Power Company Climbing. You can search for us on the Twitter. You can probably find some great modern day philosophers on the Twitter, but we can't because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles. (laughs) 